Hey, today, uh, as Sophie shared, is Palm Sunday. And uh, it's interesting because that word, Hosanna, eventually just means save. It meant save us. And then, obviously, because he did, it's, a, it's just a shout of praise to the one who saves us. And, uh, and I just want to remind you, uh, real quick, before I jump into t- today, because what I'm speaking on today really is built on the first three messages that we've done since uh, we've been isolated together. And the first message was simply that we can be empty of fear and full of love. The Bible tells us that God's perfect love is the thing that drives out our fear, like that first song that we just sang. And then second week, we talked about the fact that God actually says, perfect peace I will give to you. And we did a little acronym, if you're rattled, right? If it, R-A-T-L, if you're rattled, then the Bible actually tells you, if you do these four things, then the peace of God can actually guard you. R is for rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> Hosanna, never stop giving thanks to Jesus for what he's done for us. The A is to ask with thanksgiving. Ask, yes, come to God with your requests, but do it with thanksgiving in faith that he's going to always work out the good, even if you don't know what it is in the moment. And then the T is to think about what's excellent. We have so many thoughts rattling in our heart, but if we think about what's excellent, about what's true about God, that helps his peace come into us. And then the last thing is to love him above everything else, because he's the one thing that will never leave us. So, Love and then peace. And then last week we talked about hope. And I did the, another acronym that hope is an anchor for our souls. At the deepest part of your being, you can have something solid and secure when nothing else is. And the H there is for an heir. That when you become a child of God, you become an heir. And because Jesus died, every promise that God wants to give us, He gives us in Christ now. O is for once and for all, the things we celebrate. That Jesus Christ died. Friday, we're going to celebrate his death for us. Once for all, totally reconciled us to God, forgiving us of all of our sin. The P is his presence. We have hope because God says, I'm with you all the time. And then the E is, and for eternity. You're an heir, once for all, with his presence and eternity. So, but what I loved about that song, that salvation is true and we celebrate him. But in the worship song we just sang, It went on to say this in the bridge. It said, heal my heart and make it clean. Open my eyes to the things I see. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours, everything I am, for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into eternity. And here's the great news today, you guys is that God's love and his peace and his hope and everything that he is, everything that he brings to us in our salvation is never just for us. It's actually something that we now possess so that we can be his agent of that great kingdom of God and all of his ways into the world. And I don't know about you, but man, everybody needs help right now. Everybody. All around us, there's a need for help. And here's my phrase for today. We have help because we have him. He is our inheritance. So today, um, we were trying to figure out, I, we, we talked about all the great things that God has done for us, but in our conversations with people, we know that this um, social distancing thing has caused two realities. Isolation and suffocation. 
And we just want to talk about it. Every one of you who's listening to me right now is experiencing one of those things. You're either feeling isolated or you're feeling suffocated because it's just our reality today. So if you're isolated, there is a lack of normal human contact. And we say this all the time at K2. And you were made for relationships. So this is hard. This is really tough. And so for all the rest of us, we need to realize, it's like, okay, our single friends, our friends who maybe have illness, our friends who are more more prone to possibly getting this, who have to stay at home, we need to be the help. Yes, they have Jesus, but we need to be the help. We need to be reaching out. We need to be calling, texting, FaceTiming, Zooming, (laughs) leaving stuff on their porch, whatever it is. But people who are feeling isolated need the help. But so do the people who are suffocated. Uh, By the way, I I couldn't come up with a word. I was going, man, I got isolation down. And I'm like, man, what's another word that kind of goes with isolation? And it was funny. I walked in the kitchen and my daughter Mariah was there. And she's the one who said suffocation. (laughs) So I don't know if she's feeling that, if that's why she came up with that so quick. But we are. You guys, we all know this phrase. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And it does. So if absence makes the heart grow fonder, then constant presence can make us say, I don't like you as much as I used to. (laughs) And I've I've shared this before, how much I I thought I was a pretty decent guy until I got married. And, And once you get married and now you live your life next to somebody all the time, wow, like who you are actually comes out. And here's the reality. The selfishness of our own hearts the interruption with how we like to have things done and the essence that's inside. This pressure is making that come out. Now, in some cases, this is getting pretty serious. Reading in KSL uh, this week that the Salt Lake Police Department are saying that domestic violence is up 33% in the last two weeks. Um, And then I went on and checked out New York City where it's so horrible right now. New York City Hope, which is an online domestic violence resource, has 100% increase in calls and a 200% increase in their website activity. Um, Hey, so here's what we know. There is a ton of stress going on right now. And, And maybe some of you are superhuman but I, I don't know, I don't know any human that when you're not feeling the stress, and we have the stress of job loss, we have the stress of financial problems, we have the stress of health, we have the, just the, the fears that come because everything is so uncertain. Man, I know for me, when stressors are coming on me, my fuse gets shorter, it just does. And not only that, my energy level shrinks too. And it's harder. I don't have the emotional energy that I normally do when all the stressors are happening in our life. And so this is a real deal. And whether it's moved all the way to violence or not, we do know that, and just talking to everybody, it's like, and sometimes it's just the fact my kids are at home every day, all day long. Both of us are working, and it's nonstop noise. It's not, it's just crazy right now. And um, we need some help. Every one of us, again, whether you're isolated or whether you're suffocated, we need some help. 
And before I move on, I do just want to say this as well, because we're going to learn how, hopefully, through God's word to, to deal with each other in, in all the midst of this. But I feel like I do need to say, if you are in a situation and it's not safe, because these numbers are, these aren't fake, these are real. And if you're listening today and you're in a situation like that, um, then it's the right thing to get some help. And there are great hotlines that you can call immediately to receive that help. We need help. So let me just, let me just go. Here, and and I, I'll be honest with you, <clears throat> um, as I was prepping this week, I feel like, man, there's so many practical things that we could talk about. But I just want to tell you, man, if you go online, you're going to see a lot of practical things. I just want to give you a few um, that can help us when we're suffocated with each other, especially um, extroversion and introversion. Susie and I shared a little bit on a devotional on Wednesday night. Man, we're learning, we learned it again. We shared a devotional on, I'm looking over here because she's one of the two people in the crowd. Uh, but we, we, we shared this on Wednesday, and then yesterday, everything fell apart again in the beginning of the day. Because I'm an extrovert, and that means I want my family. I'm working hard all day, and I wanted Saturday to be all of us, all of us to be together. And my daughter ended up having a couple uh, hiking trips that she wanted to do. So I told Susie, it's like, hey, if she's going to go hiking, then why don't we shift and let's do our family stuff earlier? And, and then that wasn't what was in Susie's schedule. And Susie's an introvert, and she needs to be alone. And I'm trying to make her be with people. And next thing you know, the irritability just grew. It just, right in our bedroom, just and I'm like, oh my gosh, didn't we just tell everybody how not to do this? And we're just doing it because I need, as an extrovert, people, and the way I'm wearing, I need to have fun. And Susie, man, if she doesn't get alone, and I'm talking alone, I can't even be in the same house with her. If she needs to be alone. So man, we have to work on these things. And these are ways, you guys, we can help each other help each other. So we did. I grabbed the kids, we hopped on our bikes, and we took off and had some fun together, and we left Susie alone at home, and both of us had a chance to refuel like that. So there's, there's one thing that we just need to realize is good, that, that can help us when we're suffocated. And by the way, uh, Susie shared this, but I think it's super important. We do, and I'm going to talk a lot about this today, need to connect with Jesus, but the other thing you need to understand is how do you refuel as a human as an emotional, intellectual, physical being. How do you refuel? And, and like the classic example when you're sitting on an airplane, right, that if you're going to help, if, if the plane is in a serious situation, a crisis like we're in, you actually have to put the mask on yourself first so that you're breathing well so that you can help. And so I just want to tell you, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm trying to figure this out because I know this isn't ending next week. And I know that I want to be healthy so that I can help my family for the days coming. And so I'm trying to figure that out. And I have figured out. I need to have some fun. That's one thing I got to do as an extrovert. The other thing I got to do is I, I got to call my friends. Uh, my extended family, we're Zooming together. I have to have some social interaction that's super important. So I got to do that. Susie's figured out I have to find some time alone. I don't know what your thing is that makes you refuel, but take care of yourself so that you can actually care and help others. You know, another big thing is routines are out the window. And man, if you're a high routine person, this is a tough, tough season. And I, I don't think anybody is experiencing, nobody is experiencing the same routine that we used to. And so that's another area where we need to encourage each other and help each other. The point is, all of us are going to have to come up with the new 
routine, the new normal. And that's helpful for people, especially those who like things organized and scheduled out. Um, and then the last thing I, I just want to say is, is everybody, if you're in a situation, I don't care if you have roommates uh, or if you're home with your family, everybody needs to help out. We need help, and everybody needs to help. So we need to step up and do that. So here's, here's the issue, you guys. It's a powerful season right now. It's a powerful season. And here's the interesting thing about power. Is we know that nuclear power can destroy an entire city. Or it can bring energy to an entire city. Power is neutral, but how it's used, it can either be good or bad. That's why the scriptures tells us that there's power in the tongue. What you say actually has the power, it says, for life or for death. So anything that's powerful can be positive or negative. And this is a really powerful season. And we're seeing how it can be super negative, but I want to encourage you as well that it can be super positive. So I'm going to jump in now to help us see what God says about the help that he offers us. And I'm going to take you to 1 John chapter 3. And I'll be totally honest with you, I had all these different scriptures to teach on today. And when I got to 1 John 3, I was like, really? Very interesting to me. But there are going to be some insights in here that I just want to tell you. If you're watching today, and, uh, and you have yet to actually put your faith in Christ, you haven't received him into your life, I, I think you're going to see that there is a power that can help you in these days, personally, and can help you to help others. And all of you who are already Christians, I, these, these things, you might intellectually know them, but we need to believe these. And I'm gonna, I'm, we're just going to look at the help that God wants to give us. And I, I think one of the things that's interesting for me personally is before this whole virus started, and definitely before the isolation, God was already revealing to me that David... I am here to help you way more than you realize. You're doing way too much on your own. And I want to teach you and help you realize that I'm here to help you. Okay? So here we go. 1 John chapter 3. The first point we see and that we're going to talk about is the help that a child receives. A help that a child receives. 1 John 3, 1 says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Now let me just say real quick, I've said this in all the three messages leading up to this. You become a child of God. God loves everybody, but when you put your faith in Christ, he says, then I give you the right to become my child. Now it's amazing, you guys, when, you're, when you become a child, we all know, as parents, we help our kids. Kids receive help. So, obviously, those of you who have super little kids, I, I, you know, we're all t figuring out our chores at home and stuff, and man, when your kids first start doing the dishes, you never tell young kids just to go do the dishes. <laughs> you tell them to do it, and you say, now I'm going to help you, because you want them to know how to do it, and you, and you don't want all your dishes to break. So, um, 
So you help them do that. Now, eventually, you're hoping as they get older, you don't have to help them do the dishes. But you know what? As they get older, you're going to help them do their taxes. You're going to help them learn how to drive. It never ends, even as you mature. And for us, as long as we're on this planet, we are his children. And he says that. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, and we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And the first thing you need to know about a child is fathers help their children. And you know what's amazing? Last week, if you didn't listen to the message, you can go back and watch it. But the hope, the first thing, the hope that we have is he says, and if you're my child, if you are, then you're an heir. You're an heir. And what's interesting in the scripture, you guys, is that inheritance that we receive is actually always God. It's actually him. It's his presence in our life. That's why Jesus' sacrifice was so important. We put our hope in his sacrifice because all of our sin was put in Christ so we could be reconciled back to God, so we could be with him. So his presence is with us. But here's the important thing, too, about an inheritance. When you receive something, you do. You receive Christ, and there's all these blessings. He says, every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ. But every time you receive an inheritance, and I learned some of this from David York, who's a good friend. He's on our board here. He's, a, he's an attorney that actually works um, with estates. So he's studied this idea. In the Hebrew and in the Jewish culture, whenever you received an inheritance, it was never just for you. There were, there, were, there were rights, there were beautiful blessings that came, but part of the blessing was, I'm giving you this so that you can actually take care of your family. So the firstborn son always got the double portion, but why? It was always so that he would have what he needed to be able to take care of the family. See, God, if he is our inheritance and he is love, then what we receive is the love of God so that we can give the love of God. So the first thing, if you're struggling to love your roommates, if you're struggling to love your spouse or your kids, if you're alone and you're struggling, then God is saying, hey, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you. So that's the first thing we understand, the help that a child receives. And God is here to give that to us. Secondly, um, the help that hope gives. The help that hope gives. This is maybe the most interesting one as we go through this today. 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3. It says, Dear friends, now we are children of God. So he's, he's repeating it again. <laughs> and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. See, there's, there's, a moti- there's, a, like, there, there's an internal motivation that happens once you become a child of God. So here's what he says in the scripture, just real quick. He says, dear friends, we are children of God. We are and then he says, but we will be like Jesus. We are children, but we're going to be like him. This is who I am, and this 
is who I will be like. And so in the meantime, what, he's, what the scripture says, and this is fascinating, he says, when you have the hope that you're a child and you have the hope that you're actually going to be like Jesus, he goes, you end up purifying yourself just as he is pure. So Susie, my wife, helped me a lot with this one. What in the world does that mean, purify yourself? You know what's great? It's kids, all of our kids, especially when they're young, when you look at your parents, you go, you know what? They know I'm going to be a grown-up someday. Someday, I'm going to be like my dad. Like Caleb, he can look at me and go, I'm going to be like my dad, and I'm going to get married. And, and my girls can look at Susie, and they go, man, someday we're going to be like them. And the craziest thing is, when your kids are little, they want to be like you. They just do. There comes that sweet moment where they just start to say, man, I want to be like my mom. I want to be like my dad. And, and all of a sudden, right, and because of that, as you're helping them all the time, eventually, what do they say? Like you're teaching them to tie their shoes when they're little, and then eventually they say, no, let me do it. Let me do it. I want to be like you. And man, when they become teenagers, they, I don't know if they actually want to be like you. They actually just want to take over. But, but what they're realizing is, like conversations, I remember for me, as I think I was probably in junior high, and my mom said to me, David, you just make sure that when you get married, that you love your wife as much as your dad loves me. So you know what that made me want to do? I watched my dad. Because I want to figure out, how do I love a woman? Because my mom loves being loved by my dad. See, you guys, what this scripture is telling us is that when you're a child of God and he's present in you, here's what you can know. Someday, you're going to be like Jesus. And can I just ask you, who wouldn't want to be like Jesus? Who wouldn't want to be like him? I mean, the scriptures just say, he is the absolute embodiment of love. He had no selfish ambition in him whatsoever. He always valued other people above himself. And so Philippians 2 says, in your relationship with others, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And I just want to tell you, this is what's fascinating to me when I read this passage. Because it says, if you have the hope that God's in you, you're his child, and if you have the hope that someday after you die here and you see Jesus face to face, because that's what's talking about, eventually we're going to see him as he is. And then you're going to be like him. When you have that hope, this scripture says, all who have this hope in him purify themselves. Now, it doesn't say you need to purify yourself. It doesn't say you try to purify yourself. What's crazy about this passage, it says, if you're a child of God and you have hope to be like Jesus, you do purify yourself. And I'm like, what? Wait, what? Why? 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 Because you're a child of God and his spirit is inside of you. He is here to help you. You have the help you need because God is in you. And so those two things right there are the realities. And I, I just want to encourage you, I just want to stop here for a moment, catch my own breath for a second. Because what does this mean for me? What this means for me is I've put my faith in Christ and God says that I'm with you. I'm with you, David, all the time. And I'm with you 
help you. And if you have the, if I'm inside of you, then you will actually want to be like me and you'll purify myself. You have the motivation of the presence of God, but you also have an inner motivation saying, and I want to be like him. Now here's, as the scripture goes on, there's three things then that he says he's going to help us do. Number one, he's going to help us not to sin. Number two, he's going to help us do what's right. And number three, he's going to help us to love. So let's look at this. The first one, the help to not sin. And like I said earlier, when we get super close in our relationships with each other, when we're tight, it, we're, we're all struggling. We get irritated again because things aren't how you want them to be. And we realize this, I'm, I'm so selfish. And selfish ambition, it's crazy. The Bible says that selfish ambition is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. When we think about ourselves over other people, that's the exact opposite of Jesus who always values people above himself. But we're so human. And so we're, we're, we're sinning. Fits of rage. Like, I'm sure that some of you are right now are just going, oh my God, I'm so irritated. And I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to blow up. And things are happening that you don't even want to have happen in your home and in your own heart. And the same thing is true if you're an isolated person too. It, even if you don't have other people who are rubbing against you, the inside of being quiet is just rises up and who you really are and the anger and the frustration... Oh my gosh, you guys. So we need help not to sin because every time we sin, every time we hurt other people, and this is the potential power of the negativity that we're in right now. I'm going re- to read you, and again, this isn't my idea. This isn't my thought. This isn't what I think. I'm just going to read you what God says. And if you're a child of God, if you're not, listen to this the hope that could be there for you and the help that could be there for you. And if you are a child of God, then I, I just listen to this and see what's true for you and your struggle to not sin. Verse 5 says this, But you know that Jesus appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Listen to this. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Going on in verse 8, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. Now, if you're human, you're going, are you kidding me? Seriously? Then I don't know if I'm a Christian because I keep struggling. (laughs) I keep doing things that are wrong. I keep blowing up when I know I shouldn't blow up. So what in the world is he saying here? Here's what he's saying. When God comes inside of you, his seed remains in you, and that literally is the word for sperm. It's like God saying, my DNA and your DNA are intertwined now. 
My, in fact, the scripture tells us, if you're a child of God, your spirit is one with the spirit of Jesus. And here's what's crazy. Are you human and struggling? Yes. Jesus was human too. And divine. But while he was in the body, he struggled and he was tempted just like you are. But he never sinned. And he's living in you. So what does that mean? I, for me personally, here's what I, how I understand this. Yes, I can still sin. Earlier in 1 John, he says, if you claim to be without sin, you're a liar. So yes, I can still sin. But because Jesus is in me, I will not deliberately continue to do what is against God and against others. I won't. In fact, this says you can't. You can't. I'm telling you, Anybody, anybody want that help? <laughs> I'd be like, seriously? God, if you actually can come inside of me and through the power of your Holy Spirit in me, help me to not continually do something, man, then I need you. And that's, again, what God is saying. We have help because we have him. Now, the Bible, it says right there, the devil is at work. So the devil's always working to get us to sin, to do things against God and against others. But you guys, what this Bible, what the scripture is saying is the God's at work too. And once he's inside of you, he's always working in you. So we have help because we have him. So here's what I want to tell you, okay? And this is, I, I want all week long, I, I just, I know I need to tell you this. If you're struggling and you're not being who you want to be, as most of us are right now, don't justify it. Don't justify it or make excuses for it. Instead, confess it. Don't justify your sin. Confess your sin. Because if you are actually a follower of Christ, then the Holy Spirit's inside of you to help you stop doing whatever you're doing that you don't want to do. He's there to help you. Now, how does he help you? The first thing he does is he convicts you of it. The first thing he does is you, he just makes you go, oh my God, I don't want to do this. Okay? But then, from that point on, you don't just try harder. <laughs> okay, well, I'll try next time not to. You know what he says to do? 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But listen to this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that interesting? Earlier, the scripture said, anyone who has this hope purifies themselves. You know how you purify yourself? You admit you're not. You confess your sin to God. You say, God, I am angry. I am frustrated. I, whatever it is that you're struggling with, you just confess it to God. And then he forgives you and he purifies you from all unrighteousness. The truth is, you, you actually never purify yourself, but you go to the one who can, and that's how you do it. So y'all, humble yourself right now and just admit to God, God, I can't do this. I'm, and admit everything. God, I'm afraid. God, I'm anxious. God, I'm stressed out. God, I'm irritated. God, tell him absolutely the most important thing about confessing is being as honest as you can. 
honest as you can. Tell him what's not right. And he will forgive you. And he will purify you. We have help because we have him. And if he's living inside of you, he's going to bug you about what you're doing so he can forgive you of what you're doing so he can purify you from what you're doing. And that's how he helps us. So we have help not to sin. The next two I'm going to put right together. The second one, he says, we have the help to do what is right. Not just to not sin, we actually have, have the help to do what is right. In, the, in for, uh, verse 7 and 10, it says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. So again, it's, it's, we actually can do the right things. Why? Because Jesus always does the right things. And Jesus is living inside of me. So can I, I just want to say again, if you don't actually have faith in Christ and you're trying on your own, I, just, I know it's mysterious. It actually is mysterious. But Jesus Christ, the power of God, the very Spirit of God can come inside you. And he always does what is right. And he's here to help us do what is right. Just as he is. Because he's in us. And what's right, you guys? What's right? It's love. And that's the last point. That we have the help to love. Let me just tell you again. In the scriptures, Jesus said all of the law, in other words, everything that's right and wrong, how do we know it's right or wrong? He says everything that's right is summed up in one thing. Love God and love each other. It's love. So to do the right thing is to love, and we have the help to love. Look at this, 1 John chapter 4, 7. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. See, so, so again, what is 1 John, what is he trying to tell us here? He goes, listen, you guys, I know you're crammed in there together. I know all your routines are messed up. I know your kids are loud and crazy and they're yelling at each other and fighting. I know all of this is going on. And I am love. I am love. And love comes from me. And if I'm in you, dear friends, you can love one another. Because we have the help we need because we have him. So no selfish ambition. Valuing others above ourselves. In that scripture, in, in, in the same thing in uh, Philippians 2, it says, if you have any tenderness or compassion. Anybody want, does your home need tenderness or compassion right now? Yes. You know, it was so great. On that bike ride, we were out, uh, went to, to Liberty Park. When we, get, when we were getting ready to go back, uh, Caleb and I were at the front, and uh, the girls were in the back. And uh, they all wanted to go to 9th and 9th, even though nothing's open. 9th and 9th is cool, so they just wanted to go by 9th and 9th. But Caleb wanted to go to the right. That would have been to the left. Caleb wanted to go to the right because there were some trails because he has a mountain bike. And he goes, I could do some jumps and stuff, Dad. I, I want to go right. And he goes, but they want to go left. And I said, well, um, your decision, buddy. Whatever you want to do. And I knew what he wanted to do. So we got to the end where he had to make the decision, and he was ahead of me, and his bike went to the left. And I was like, that's so cool. So I got up next to him and I said, hey, so why'd you go to the left? And he goes, well, because I know that everybody else wants to go this way and only I want to go that way. 
And I said, hey, Caleb, you know what you just did? You valued others above yourself. And that's the love of God. And right now, there's three girls who are super happy right now. And you made them that way. Isn't that amazing, you guys? One small act of valuing somebody above yourself. One small act of not being selfish can bring peace to your home and to your relationships. And Jesus Christ, who never does anything for himself, but always loves, is living inside of you. We have the help we need to not sin, to do what's right, and to love because we have so let me just close real quick with some action steps. Ben, you guys can come on up. Here's some action steps. If this is true, which the Bible has revealed very clearly, if this is true, then the most important thing that you and I can do is draw near to God. Not try harder. Draw near to God. He says, listen, you're my child and I'm living inside you. If you will draw near to me, then I will draw near to you. And I, who am love, will fill your spirit with what you need. Listen, you guys, yes, I, I, even all of you who are Christians, yes. But you, I, again, I, I, what God is teaching me is I am, but I'm still absolutely dependent on God. He made me that way. Because he wants to be like this. He's the power. He's the love. He's the peace. He's the joy. So man, I tell you, I, so I do. I get up every morning because I need him so that I have, I'm aware of his presence and he's at the forefront of my mind and he's filled my heart and I've confessed my sin and he's cleansed me of all that and he's purified my heart so that when life gets crazy and I get irritable, I have him and I can tap into him. Draw near to God, you guys. Read scripture, read the Psalms every morning. Don't miss our Sunday life services. 6.30, whether it's prayer tomorrow night, worship Tuesday, devotion Wednesday, hanging out on Thursday. We are trying to help you connect with God because when you have Him, you have all the help you need. So draw near to God. And then refuel like we talked about earlier. Receive His forgiveness and His cleansing value others above yourself. So we're going to close with a great song that simply says, God, you are a good, good father. That's who you are, and he is. But this verse says, and you're my child. And if we're children of God, then we have everything we need to help us. So in your homes, worship. Just be so grateful that God loves you, that he's given you the inheritance of himself, that he's with you.